This episode is sponsored by Anchor, the official host of Wellness and Wanderlust. Anchor is the easiest way to create your dream podcast. With Anchor, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other popular podcast apps. You can even make money from your podcast using Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop with everything you need to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone, happy new year. If you are new to the show, welcome. And for those of us who have been around for a little while, I want to say thank you so much for joining us in 2021. I'm really happy to have you all here and so grateful to have you as part of this journey with me. We have a really exciting year ahead with some amazing guests that I know you're going to love. And today's guest is no different. This week, I sit down with Katie Canterbury. You may know her from That Katie Girl Fitness. Katie is a certified personal trainer. She's a runner, and she's a lover of all things Disney. I've really enjoyed following her journey over the years. She really has a strong focus on body positivity while still maintaining your physical wellness through fitness and through good nutrition. And so I really enjoy that juxtaposition and what she does. So in this episode, Katie and I sit down to talk about what it means to make peace with our bodies. We also talk about small changes we can make with our fitness and our nutrition in 2021 to be a little bit healthier in the new year. We also talk about developing a more intuitive approach when it comes to food and also running tips for beginners. I'm someone who hasn't really run much since college. I always joke that the only running that I like to do is from my problems, but in all honesty, I really enjoyed some of the tips that she shared for becoming a runner and how running really taught her to approach wellness from a place of love. This is something that we talk about so much on the show, and I know you're gonna really love this conversation. We did have a few technical difficulties with the sound, so you may hear that in a couple of places in the conversation, but I know you're going to enjoy this episode, so without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell our listeners a little about yourself? I am a certified personal trainer who is in the process of getting my nutritionist certification. I'm just really passionate about health and fitness and really helping women find ways to incorporate into their lives that they actually enjoy. Um, I don't think that fitness or healthy eating should be something you dread. I think that when you do that, you're not going to ever stick with any kind of healthy change, um, and you really need to find a way to make it work for your life. So that's something that I'm really passionate about and something that I try to do with my clients. I love that. I think that is such a, you know, such an important message. What sparked your interest in fitness and in the wellness world in general? I started the exact way I tell people not to do it. And that was from a moment when I looked in the mirror and I thought, I hate my body. I want to change it. And then my next thought was fit people run, right? That's like a thing. And then I Googled, I, I knew like 5k was like a short race. And so I Googled that it was like, how long is a 5k? Oh, it's three miles. I could probably do that. And I started running. 
And like I said, this is a horrible way to start a fitness journey. But luckily, it worked out. And I ended up really, really falling in love with running. And I went on to do a half marathon. And that was when things really started to change for me. I was never an athletic girl growing up. I was beyond the moon impressed with myself in high school when I could run a half mile for a PE class. So running a half marathon felt impossible. And when I finished it, I had this, I had two like come to Jesus moments. And one of them was, holy crap, I just did a half marathon. I can do anything. And the second was, wow, it was never supposed to be what my body looked like. It was always supposed to be about the things it could do. And those two things totally flipped the game for me in terms of my fitness and my nutrition. And I started lifting at that point because I was pretty much only running, but I realized I needed to do other kinds of training. And I ended up falling in love with that as well. And my nutrition switched from, I can't eat these things because I need to be skinny to what do I need to eat to feel my best and be able to perform my best when I'm running. And those two things really helped me actually fall in love with the process of being active and being healthy. And then one day a friend said, have you ever thought about being a personal trainer? Because I think you'd be great at it. And I always thought that you would need like some big doctorate to do that. And I would never be qualified. And I was like, no, I've never thought about that. But then when I looked into it and I saw how accessible it is, still a hard program and it still takes a lot of work but it was a lot more accessible than I thought it was. And that's when I decided, no, I, I need to do this. And then fast forward about three years later, I actually got off my butt and made it happen. That's incredible. That is such a powerful journey. And I think so many of us can relate to that kind of how you started in it, that, um, you know, coming from that place of, I need to lose weight and really from a place of restriction rather than a place of excitement and, you know, joy and movement. And so I think that's incredibly powerful. Now, I think your practice, you focus a lot on that body positivity and self-love. What, um, you know, how can listeners pursue their goals in fitness and in health while still taking that loving and healthy approach? Yeah, this is something I'm really passionate about because there aren't a lot of people I see promoting this. I see a lot of toxic diet culture And then I see a lot of people who go kind of the polar opposite side of like, I don't need to work out. I don't need to eat healthy because I love my body the way it is. And I think that you need to make a change from a place of love because I don't believe you can make a positive change from a negative response. I think that what you put in, you're going to get out. And if you're going into it, like, I hate my body. I can't eat these things. You're coming from a very negative place and you're not going to love the journey and you're not going to stick with it. So the first thing I say is in terms of fitness, find what works for you, not skinny because, or got healthy or got in better shape or whatever, because they did Zumba or because they lifted heavy or because they started running. They did it things that they actually enjoyed doing and were able to stick with. I have an aunt who lost crap ton of weight got in really good shape and loves being active because she started doing Zumba I did Zumba twice and I was like I hate this (laughs) I am not coordinated (laughs) 
I can't do this. I feel like I'm struggling. I would do this with a friend or with my aunt when I visit her, but I would never on my own be like, I'm going to go do Zumba. (laughs) If I tried to get in shape that way, it would never, ever happen. So you've got to find something you enjoy. And the same goes for gyms. I've tried multiple gyms before I landed at the place I'm at. And I love it so much. I've been going there for five years and now I work for them. So you've just got to kind of try stuff on for size. Don't be afraid to try something new and find something that you genuinely enjoy. And don't let people tell you, oh, you're not going to get in shape doing that. Because if I listen to all the people who said, oh, running is terrible for your knees, you're going to gain weight because you have to eat so many carbs, like this, that, and the other thing, I would have stopped. But I love it. I love running. I've been consistently running for five or six years now, even at times where I wasn't actively trying to lose weight because I enjoy it. It's my stress relief. It's fun for me. So find something that you love to do. And with food, focus on the things you can add into your diet, not what you take out. Because if you're sitting there, if you decide to say, I'm going to do keto, because this is really popular right now, especially from people who want quick results fast. And you say, I'm going to do keto. I'm not going to eat carbs. And all day long, you're telling people, oh, I'm not eating carbs. Oh, I can't eat that because I'm not eating carbs. I cut carbs out of my diet. You're thinking about carbs all day long. And your brain is going to go, oh, I want carbs because that's what we're thinking about 24-7 is even though you're saying I can't have it, you're still thinking about them and your brain is going to want them and you're going to feel miserable. But if you can focus on I'm going to eat more fruits and vegetables, I'm going to try and and eat more lean protein, you're focusing on the things you're adding. So you're not going to be craving the other stuff as much because you're not constantly thinking about them. You're still making a healthier change. And chances are you're going to eat less junk food because you're first eating the healthier stuff and you're filling up first. So you're not going to be as hungry or as nutrient deprived. So where you're going to crave the junk food as much. So focus on what you can add into your diet, not what you can take away from it. That is such good advice. I know for me personally, I have had to learn that kind of the hard way. Um, I've definitely done the elimination diets and they've been helpful for me overall, just figuring out what I can and can't eat for my body. But um, I did do food sensitivity testing recently and finding out all the things I can't eat is definitely stressful. And so when I do actually sit down, when I've actually written down, what can I eat on this list? There's actually quite a bit that I can, that I wasn't eating before that I really love. And thinking about it in those terms makes it so much easier to plan my meals and to figure out what I'm going to eat and is way less depressing than I can't eat anything on this side of this sheet of paper. So I can completely relate to that. Now we did have a listener write in, um, Brianna asks, what are some small ways that we can start eating better? Pick up just a couple things to start with. First of all, I see a lot of people that want to go all in all at once. And that's going to be really stressful. It's going to be really stressful because there's going to be a lot of things you're trying to do all at once. So start small. And I think a good one to start with um, that anybody can do is going to be beneficial. Anybody is eat more vegetables, figure out a way to get more in. This is something that I've been doing because I realized I kind of got into a rut of like, I do have to watch my carb intake because I do have blood sugar issues. 
Um, and I realized that I got into such a rut of like trying to stay away from those that I wasn't eating as much fruit and vegetables as I should be. And so I've just been focusing lately on just trying to get more of those into my diet. For snacks, I've been doing like carrots or celery and peanut butter or hummus, great tomatoes. I swap out rice for cauliflower rice, which is a really easy change, especially if you're putting other stuff into it, like doctoring it up, spicing it up. You don't even notice that you're not eating rice. But just try and find ways that you can eat more fruits and vegetables. And drinking more water is super important. And that's something that a lot of us can do a lot better on. I was tracking my water intake this week. It was something I hadn't done in a long time. And I was amazed to see how little I was drinking. For someone who pretty much drinks water and tea all day, I still was not drinking enough of anything. So I think that's really, really important advice. Now you've talked about intuitive eating on your channels as well. And I'd love to know what that looks like for you and how listeners can become a little bit more intuitive when it comes to food. Yeah. So intuitive eating, I think it's just something we've really, I think intuitive everything with our bodies is something we've really gotten away from. We're very much a culture of medication, whether that's actual pills or just, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I didn't sleep last night. I need coffee. Oh my God, I'm so awake from the coffee I had earlier. I can't sleep. Let me take something for that. We don't really stop and listen to our bodies. And I'm a really firm believer that like when you have a pain or you're tired or you're just not feeling well, your body's trying to tell you that it needs something. And so this is real. I think this is something really hard for a lot of people to do because we are not trained to listen to our bodies. And a lot of our factors can actually kind of mess with those signals that our body is trying to give us. And so it can be really hard to to stop and listen, but just trying to slow down and trying to do less, stop letting other things think for your body. That's why I'm not really a fan of calorie counting or macro counting, because you can easily get into a cycle of this is how many calories I need a day. I'm starving, but I shouldn't be starving because I already ate my calorie allotment for the day. So I'm just going to go to bed hungry. And at the end of the day, what a lot of people don't realize is that at the very, very best, calories are a guesstimate. They are not the science that diet culture has preached to us. We don't really know how many calories are in any given food. Everything from where it was grown to how it was cooked can change the calorie count. And we don't really know how many calories we're burning every day, even with a heart rate monitor. So stop letting your tracker think for you and slow down and and think, do am I really hungry for the snack or am I just bored? Am I really hungry for the snack or do I just feel like I need to eat it because I planned it today? And on the flip side, like if you're hungry and you've already you know, quote unquote, eaten too much. Maybe you didn't. Maybe there were a lot less calories in what you ate than you thought. Maybe you were a lot more active today than you thought. So ditch the calorie counting. I would even say ditch macro counting and start listening to your body. Last year, I totally stopped. I I deleted all the apps. I was like, I have not not counted calories or macros or felt guilty for not counting them in years. This is a problem. And I 
I, I ditched them all and I just ate whatever I, I felt like eating for a good six to eight months. And at first it was a lot of junk food and I did gain weight. I was also going through a lot of stress at the time, which probably was a factor. But for the first time in my life, I got to a point where my my boyfriend at the time could buy a package of cookies and I could eat one and be like, okay, I'm done. I don't feel the need to eat anymore. I, I feel better. And I've never, ever, ever been like that my entire adult life. I've been the girl that if I start eating one cookie, that entire package is going down because I was just, it's mental more than physical. When you start restricting your eating, bad things happen to your brain. There were there was a study about this for anybody who's interested, because this what is what really got me interested in intuitive eating. There was a study in the 40s during World War II called the Minnesota Starvation Experiment. And they were semi-starving several healthy young men, semi-starving them on 1,600 calories a day, which is about 400 calories more than my fitness pal says that we should be eating to lose weight. And they were trying to see the effects of how to like get them back to healthy weight um, in relation to the Holocaust survivors. But if you look at the long lasting mental effects on these men, it sounds a lot like diet culture. They became obsessed with food. They all thought they were fat, even though they had lost weight, they were obsessed, especially with their midsection and thinking that they were like, like they had a big stomach and they, they binge when they first, when they would start eating, they would not stop and they thought about food constantly and I read that and I went wow this sounds like me post my fitness pal days this this is probably really terrible and you know there's a lot of people who say like oh 1200 calories is fine 1400 calories whatever it is is fine and it may be physically healthy for you but mentally it's a whole other thing and when you are telling yourself that food is a limited resource you only get so much of that can have really long term bad effects on your mentality. And so ditch the counting. And if you're hungry, freaking eat. If you're hungry, your body is saying, hey, I need energy. And that's something that like blew one of my clients minds the other day, we were talking about um, nutrition, because she when she gets stressed, she doesn't eat, she just she gets busy working and she skips meals. And she was working out. She was like, this feels so much harder than it usually does. And I was like, well, you've been skipping a lot of meals and that's, that's going to have an effect on, on your muscles and your energy level. And I was like, you need to think of it like food is energy. And she goes, holy cow, you think that's why I'm so tired all the time lately? And I was like, yeah, that's probably at least part of it. And she was like, oh, I need to start eating more. I was like, yes, exactly. Food is energy. It's not something that you need to fear. And especially if you want to, if your if your goal is to get into good shape and not just be like heroin chic of the 90s, but actually have muscle, you have to eat enough to build that muscle. That makes a lot of sense. And that study is insane. It sounds like everything that high school and college did to me and, you know, very unfortunately, very familiar. Um, so I definitely, I definitely need to read that. Um, wow. So yeah, I think, I think all of that is incredibly 
important when it comes to food is really developing that intuition because I do think being, you know, at home in quarantine or social distancing, we're at home with our feelings so much more and it's so easy to self numb. I have definitely been guilty of it. I'm sure probably the majority of people listening to this have fallen into those patterns. And so I, you know, I do think it's important to be developing that intuition around it and really thinking about, you know, why am I, you know, is this actually adding joy to my life? Is this this really special thing that I've been dying to have, or I have nothing better to do. And so I'm going to have a row of Oreos or what have you, which sound amazing right now, but (laughs) And, you know, I think there also needs to come grace. This has been a crazy time. And I just said this on my podcast the other day. If the worst thing that came out of this year is that you gained some weight, guess what? You're doing okay. Because it was a pretty stressful year. And there's a lot more toxic coping mechanisms that we could have taken on. And so there are times where am I just super emotional? Especially like, you know, ladies, we have that one week a month where I'm like, am I really hungry or do I just want to eat this entire bag of Siete chips because it's that time of the month. And there are times where I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to eat this entire bag of Siete (laughs) chips because you know what, right now it is giving me a lot of joy and it's it's worth it. But then there are times where it's like the mindless eating is what gets me. Like if I'm really emotional and I need a chocolate bar to feel better, I'm most of the time I'm going to do it. But if I'm just bored and need Mm -hmm. something to do with my hands, I need to pick up my phone and play like one of those block games or start working on something. Those are times where I don't want to be eating because I'm not even thinking about it. It's just like something to do while I'm sitting there watching TV. That is so true. I started painting my nails when I was feeling that way. Cause I thought, you know, if I still want it when my nails are dry, I'll have it. But usually it is that boredom thing. And by the time they're dry, I want to do all the other things I couldn't do because I had wet nails. And so I do think sometimes taking that step back and then if you really do want it, have it, you know, and definitely giving ourselves grace right now. This is such a wild time and we, you know, deserve to be kind to ourselves. So we have had a difficult year. We're diving into 2021. What can we be doing to stay motivated in this new year and start working toward health and fitness goals? Two things that I'm I love doing Um, what I've done for years when I'm setting uh, New Year's resolutions because I love New Year's resolutions. I I know it's a hot button issue and some people say it's stupid. I love the feeling of a fresh start, fresh planner. Just another same thing like the beginning of the week. It's just a nice time to kind of check in, see what you want to be working towards and set some goals. But one thing that I've done for years that has helped me so much is I don't set outcome goals, I set behavioral goals. So I, if you ask me what my New Year's resolution is at any point in the last five years, I will never have said I want to lose X amount of weight. Even the times where weight loss was my ultimate goal, my New Year's resolution was always, I want to run more. I want to eat healthier. I want to go to the gym more. It was always behavioral goals. Because even in my like most diet culture days, I realize that at the end of the day, we really only have so much control over that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of factors that go into our weight. Um, muscle is one, water weight, like I could go on for hours. So I don't want to set a goal that I don't have complete control over. I'm going to set behavioral goals. That way, even if I don't get to the weight I'm looking towards, 
if I can say, oh, I consistently worked out all year, then it's still a win. Mm -hmm. And that keeps me motivated. And then the other thing um, that I've learned a lot about this year is set small goals. Because and I see this a lot working at the gym. People come in, I'm like, how many times a week do you want to go start going to the gym? They're like, I want to go at least four or five times a week. Zero to four or five is a really big jump. It's a great ambition. But the problem is, if you set your goal at four times a week, and you only go three, zero to three is still a, a huge jump, a great accomplishment. But if you set your goal at four, you're going to feel like, oh, look at me. I once again didn't do what I said I was going to do. I said I was going to go four times and I only went three. I don't stick to anything. You're just going to get into this negative mm -hmm. mind space. If you set your goal at two times a week and you do three, you're like, look at me. I'm awesome. I'm crushing this first week. I already hit my goal. I'm going to do it again. You get that boost of confidence mm -hmm. that then pushes you to continue doing it. And you can work up to that four times a week if that's your ultimate goal, but start small. So you get that instant boost of like, you're doing this, give yourself some confidence. That's going to keep you going. I love that. I think that is so important. And I think especially those behavioral goals, because you're right, losing a specific amount of weight, our bodies are so unpredictable. And I know that I have weighed the same thing at two different times in my life and looked very different and been a lot healthier at one time versus another time. And at one of those times, I might have been lifting weights and going to the gym. And so my weight was really not, you know, that number was not even really reflecting my health at that point or even how I looked. So I do think that's incredibly important. But, you know, rather than losing a specific type of weight, it was really the behaviors and the way I was eating that was really making the difference. You know, I've, I've been listening to a lot of Casey Fitzgerald podcasts. She talks a lot about personal development, psychology, and she talks a lot about how most of the time when we're going after a certain goal, it's not the hard and fast of the goal. It's a feeling we're looking for. And I find that when I'm focused on eating better, eating so I feel better and moving my body in a way that I love, even when I felt like. You know, we all have those times where we just feel kind of overweight and maybe a little ugly and we're not so happy with our bodies. Even at the worst of those times, I have felt 10 times better before I lose any significant amount of weight because I'm treating myself like I'm a priority and I feel less bloated and less sluggish because I'm eating better and I'm moving my body. And I always notice that I feel so much more beautiful and confident long before anybody says anything about, hey, have you lost weight? I just feel better. And that's what we're usually after. It's not mm -hmm. the 20 pounds we want to lose or 10 or whatever. It's we want to feel confident. We want to feel beautiful and sexy. And I don't think a lot of women realize that you don't actually need to lose weight to feel that way. You just need to start taking better care of yourself. And treat yourself like a priority because a lot of times with women, we're the last thing, the last person we take care of. And that's why we feel like crap. I could not agree more. I think that is such great advice. Now, for those who are getting into the new year, who are maybe getting back into a fitness routine, maybe they were really into it and the pandemic hit, they kind of lost some of those healthy habits. What are some ways they can get back into a fitness routine? Oh, I think it's just of the same way you get started with it. Make small changes, make behavioral goals. The hardest thing when you're getting back into something is 
the comparison game is so much harder when you're comparing to yourself at your best because that's what I had last year like I said I went through a really stressful time it didn't work out regularly I did not eat healthy and trying to get back into it was so discouraging because every time I went for a run I was like I'm so slow I used to be so much faster than this this used to be so much easier you know, I put on clothes that used to fit really well. And now guess what? My jeans don't button. And that's harder, I think, than getting started for the first time. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much a sense of like, why did I let myself go? And so as much as you can get out of that mindset, I always, because I am a runner, first and foremost, I always say a mile is a mile is a mile. It doesn't matter how fast you do it. And the same goes for any workout you're doing. It still counts even if you're not as strong or as fast or as whatever as you used to be. And remember that you've done it before. You can do it again. You will get back there and quicker than you did the first time because you are going to have that muscle memory. But you just got to really go easy on yourself. And I think this is a time where it can really be hard to listen to your body because kind of the same with like food tracking apps for eating you get into that mindset of like I know what my body needs I know what it can do and you can push yourself too hard so you really got to slow down and listen to your body and if things that felt easy before feel really hard take a step back listen to it and do what you can do and just know that you'll get back there it just it's a learning experience sometimes and remember how this feels and make sure that you are consistently making time for yourself going forward I will, I shouldn't say never, but I will do my best to not ever just stop running like I did last year. Even if I don't have a race I'm working towards, I'm still going to consistently get out there and run because starting over really sucks and it was not fun. And I want to keep up my conditioning as much as possible. So I don't have to do that again. I think that's so important. And it's it's funny that you mentioned the comparison to ourselves. I hadn't really thought of that. But with Facebook reminding me every day, you know, this is what you were doing a year ago or five years ago. Sometimes I see them and I'm like, wow, I've come so far, especially from the grad school days when I was eating dinner at 10 o'clock at night and not moving my body at all. But then I see, you know, the photos from when I was 23 and focusing, you know, cooking all of my meals every day and had the time and didn't have anything else going on outside of work in the same way that I do now. And I was younger as well. And so seeing those pictures, it can be really discouraging. And I think to give ourselves some grace in that respect is huge. And that's a really good point that I should make. Women in your late 20s and early 30s, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but you're never going to have the body that you had in your high school days or early 20s ever again. I see so many women who, when I'm like, what's your goal? They're like, I want to be in the shape I was in when I was 21. And I'm sorry, but genetically and and biologically, that's just not going to happen. Our bodies change. Our metabolism is so freaking fast when we're young. And unfortunately, you're not going to get get back to that. And so you can't make that your goal. But you can be in even better shape. You can be healthier. You can have more muscle. You can be stronger. But 
you're not going to look like I'm 27. I am not going to look like I looked at 22 ever again. Mm-hmm. I was so tiny, but I also had no muscle on me, mm-hmm. like no muscle at all. I don't know how I made it through every day. I was, I was just, I did not work out. I just had a really fast metabolism. So that's why I was so skinny. And I have accepted that I'm not going to have that body again, but I can have an even better one. But I just think a lot of women, when you're making your, when you're making your goal unattainable, you're setting yourself up for failure. So you just need to realize that you can have an amazing, awesome body, but it's, it's not going to look like it did, you know, when you're in your early twenties. Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's really great advice and just something that we need to be reminding ourselves. Cause you're right. You are setting yourself up for failure when you're going for an unattainable goal. Many people have had children in that time as well. And, you know, we have so many changes with our bodies as women. It's unfortunate that the men don't go through it quite the same way, but we still can, you know, I feel like I am a lot healthier than I was at 20, 22 years old regardless of how I'm looking at, you know, in the mirror or what and exactly, exactly. And that's, that's the real goal. And that's why that's one thing I hate about the whole, like just the, the push to be skinny is that a lot of times skinny isn't even healthy. Like when I was in my early twenties, I was so tiny, but I know my body. I had, I had, I was so flabby. I had, I was like, what they call skinny fat. Like I was very small. But I had a lot more fat than people realized on me because I have a very small bone structure and I had no muscle. I was not my healthiest. I was not my strongest. And my goal now is not to be skinny. It's to be fit. I want to be strong. I want to be one of those women where it's like, don't mess with her because <laughs> she can and will kick your butt. <laughs> That's my goal. I want to be able to go to one of those American Ninja Warrior gyms because they do have gyms like that that you can go to and mess around I want to be able to go to one of those and have fun because right now it would not be fun I don't have enough upper body strength to do that stuff so yeah like make health your goal make strength your goal don't make it just skinny because you can be real I mean we all know this you can be super skinny and also still be very unhealthy Mm -hmm. yeah and I just gotta say those ninja warrior gyms um that's pretty badass you know you're and no one's going to mess with you. That's how I felt doing kickboxing. I, I did lose some weight doing kickboxing and I felt myself toning up, but I felt so strong and just like no one could mess with me because now I have really good form with my kicks. I still have a long way to go, but I felt so much stronger and so proud of myself for doing these badass moves I'd never done before. Kickboxing is amazing. I did it briefly and I need to get back into it because that money I saw in kickboxing was better than any therapy session I've ever had. <laughs> yes, because you just get mad and you're punching at something and um, and it's socially acceptable to do it. And um, exactly. yeah. yeah, great stress relief. So you do, you do a lot of running and that's something that I dabbled a little bit in college. I joke that the only running I do is from my problems. But um, a lot of people consider running and they're worried about, you know, you mentioned like your knees or injury, things like that. But a lot of us are interested. I think running gives you a great goal, especially if you're going toward a 5k or, you know, to a different race. For those of us who really have never run before, how can we get started? The most important thing 
oh my gosh, I'm so passionate about this. And I could do a whole podcast episode on this. Get good running shoes. I just picked up some from where I worked when I first started running and they were not what I needed. And it was, it made running very painful. And I see this a lot with new runners. Take the time to go get good running shoes. I am a huge fan of Asics. Um, I, I work for them. I've worked for them for the last three years. I've worn them pretty much except for that first pair of shoes my entire running life. And they're, they have outlets all over the country. Go in, get fitted, and make sure you're in the right shoe. If you don't have an ASIC store near you, go to like an independent running store where they can do a gait analysis and tell you what kind of shoe you need because that is really going to make a huge difference in your comfort, um, especially with your knees. If you have any kind of issues with overpronating like I do, you're going to potentially have a lot more knee pain if you're not in the right shoes. So make sure you're in the right shoes. They are worth the investment. At the end of the day, your running shoes protect your body on the pavement and having the right running shoes can prevent injury, pain, and much more expensive complications down the road. So get some good running shoes. And then I really love the Couch to 5K program or ASICS actually owns the app RunKeeper. And if you sign up for the one ASICS program, which is basically just signing up to get emails, you get a 90-day free trial of the RunKeeper premium app, which I love so much, I pay for it every month. And they have training plans in there for 5K, 10K, half marathon, and full marathon. So get some good running shoes and then find an app um, with training plans and just get started and keep going because Getting started with running is the hardest part. It really is. It's your body is not going to like when I first started running, I was like, I hate this. Like the first, I, I say how much I love running and I, I love it. But when I first, first started, I was like, I hate this. This hurts. I didn't know how to pace myself, which is a whole other thing. And it just wasn't fun in the beginning. It wasn't until I, I was doing it for probably a couple months where I was like, oh, this is, this is getting easier. This is actually fun. I actually enjoy this. And also too, don't be afraid to do a run walk. I have run five half marathons at this point, and I still do a run walk run method because I like to run fast and I can't sustain the speed at which I like to go for more than a minute or two. So I run and then I take a break and I walk and then I run again. And that's perfectly fine. And you are still a runner. I, that's one thing I see. A lot of people don't want to like claim the runner's title because they're like not good enough. You are a runner. And find some running groups on Facebook because I swear the running community is one of the most welcoming, encouraging, amazing communities. I'm in multiple groups for multiple different niches in the running community. And I have yet to find any runner at all that's like, Oh, no, you're not running fast enough. You're not a runner. You're you're a jogger. Like everybody's like, whether you're running a seven minute mile or a, you know, 16 minute mile, like you're running. That's awesome. Way to go. Congratulate yourself. It's a really amazing community to be a part of. That's incredible. Do you have a favorite run that you've done over the years? Oh, my gosh, that is such a difficult question because there are so many that I've loved will probably always be my first half marathon because it was such a mess and such an amazing experience at the same time. A lot of people don't know that going into that half marathon. So I live in the Midwest and I did at the time 
And I signed up for a half marathon in Southern California where I have family because I thought it was supposed to be my my only half marathon. And uh, so I thought I want to do it somewhere really cool. And so I signed up for um, one in Huntington Beach, California, which was amazing. And it was in February. And I thought this is going to be perfect. The weather is going to be amazing. And it honest, honest to God, did not dawn on me that that meant training in November, December, and January oh. in Wisconsin <laughs> until after I committed to it. So I do not like the cold. I hate the cold and I hate running on the treadmill too. So a lot of people don't realize that my longest run going into a half marathon, which for those of you that don't know is 13.1 miles. My longest run was seven. <laughs> when I like crossed that start line to do my half. So I was wildly undertrained. Should have gotten new shoes before I did it. It was like a whole thing. It was a mess. It was not fun. I finished that and I was like, I'm never doing that again. But it is still my favorite because as horrible as it was, it was the number one thing that changed my relationship with my body. And as horrible as it was, it did in a way make me fall in love with running, like really fall in love with it. And it gave me so much confidence to see that if I can do that, I can do absolutely anything I put my mind to because I never thought I could do a half marathon in my wildest dreams. If you had told me 10 years ago, oh yeah, in 10 years, you're going to have run five half marathons and be signed up for two more, I would have said, you have the wrong Katie doll. There's like five of us in the world and you're definitely talking <laughs> to the wrong one. That's so inspiring though. It's making me actually really want to try running in the new year. So, uh, but that's really incredible. And that led, you know, ultimately to your coaching practice for many of us, you know, we might not work with a coach currently, what should someone consider when they're thinking about working with a coach and what types of services do you offer? Right now I'm only doing um, in-person personal training and group classes, but I am getting my ducks in a row to start offering online group classes, online personal training in the new year. And I'm also hustling to finish up my nutritionist certification so I can actually start doing nutritional coaching as well. The biggest thing to consider when you're, you're looking for a coach is you got to find one that has the same values as you and has experience with what you're you're doing. I do not train men because I just feel like I don't have that experience. Um, I, I understand the female body much better having lived in it. And I understand the struggles that women go through much better than I do men. I connect better with men. And so I choose to work with women because I think it's just a much better fit for my personality and my expertise. And I, again, like I don't, I don't work with people who have any kind of goals of doing like physique training. Like I, I don't have the experience to do that. I work with people who have very similar struggles to what I do and what I have in the past, because that's a better fit. So make sure you're finding a coach that has the same values. If you are interested in intuitive eating and really listening to your body. Don't sign up for a coach that's going to put you on a calorie counting or macro counting plan. Like that's, that's not, that's not going to mesh well. There are so many different coaches that all have amazing qualifications and experience, but you really, it's like anything with fitness. It's like working out. It's like finding a gym. You've got to find the thing that just 
meshes with you and, and works with you. Yeah, just don't be afraid to ask them questions. Ask for testimonials. Ask them how they feel about certain things that are important to you, like um, intuitive eating, finding a workout that's really... Because some, some trainers will get into a, a space where this is what works and this is what they want to put on everybody. And so don't be afraid to ask those questions or be like, I don't enjoy running or weightlifting or whatever. There are going to be times where the trainer is going to explain why why they picked this for you, why they think that this is really something that you should consider. Don't be afraid to ask those questions and make sure that you have the right fit. That's great advice. Now, I would love to dive into some rapid fire questions so our listeners can get to know you a little better. What is your top wellness tip? Drink the water. Drink your water and move your body. Even if it's just a walker on the block, movement is really, really important. And so find a way to do something almost every day. I do believe in rest days, but like I said, even if it's just a quick walk around the block, move your body. Awesome. Where is your favorite travel destination? So favorite place I've been, definitely um, Orlando, the Disney area, or Southern California is beautiful. But top place I want to go is New Zealand because I am an absolute huge Lord of the Rings nerd. And I just need to see everywhere they film those movies. Oh my gosh. It is like a fairy tale land out there. Every time I see photos, I'm dying to get out there. It's so gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Oh, I'd want to be a tiger because I've always loved them. They're super, super badass and they're very independent. And I am a very independent person. I like to have my space. I love that. And I don't think anyone's answered that one before too. They're so cute too. They're just, I just love them so much. Now, what is your number one favorite show to binge? So right now, so favorite show ever would be friends, but right now I'm really into podcasts because I'm able to listen to them at work Mm -hmm. and I've been, I'm just a true crime. um, And that's why we drink I binged all of that. I went through Crime Junkie. I went through Sinisterhood. Um, Leah Remini's show about Scientology. I am obsessed with. Yeah, if it's true crime, especially if it's like a comedy, oh, I'm I'm there. That is awesome. I was listening to some of the true crime ones while going for walks at night in my neighborhood. And oh, that's, that's dangerous. Yes. So I really, I think... Now that it's cool enough during the day that I can go for walks or hikes or whatever, I'll feel a little bit safer doing it. But um, yeah, I got into a bad habit of listening to them while walking by myself in the dark. Oh, after after hearing the story of the um, Golden State Killer, I'm a psychopath with windows. I every single window has to be locked before I'll go to bed and I will not sleep. I will not, I used to sleep with the window cracked all the time growing up. I'm like, nope, it has to be closed, locked. We're going to make it as hard as possible. That's awesome. Um, and then what is your favorite social distancing activity? Oh, running. When we were at like, it had like this, the major, major shutdown here in Illinois. Every single day I would get out and go for a walk or a run. I'm currently living with my mom and my two teenage sisters for the first time in gosh, like seven years, something like that. And it's been an adjustment and not being able to go out. I was like, 
I need my space. And so there were times where I would go for like a four hour walk just to like <laughs> get out and have my me time. Definitely. I think that is something that a lot of people have really needed during this time and why not do it in a really healthy and productive way? So that is awesome. Now, Katie, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Would you mind telling our listeners where they can find you, find more about you? Yeah. Um, so the best way is definitely going to be my website. I have pretty much all of my other avenues linked there. Um, and my website is thatkatiegirl.com. But I'm also super active on Instagram at thatkatiegirlfitness. Awesome. We will be sure to link all of that in the show notes. And you also started a podcast in November. Do you want to share with listeners a little about that? Yeah, absolutely. So right now I have one episode, but by the time this airs, hopefully I'll have more. The holiday, um, I kind of forgot that Thanksgiving was a thing when I started um, my podcast the week before, but it is called Lifting Happily Ever After because I am a big Disney fan. And it is on, I think, just about every platform. Anchor took care of a lot of that for me, but I know I personally manually added it to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which I think are the two most popular podcast platforms at this point. Yeah, I think that's where the bulk of my listeners come from as well. But this episode, when this airs in the new year, um, I'm excited to get to hear some more of yours as well and be able to send some of our listeners your way. So thank you again so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Katie Canterbury. I know my fitness journey has really ebbed and flowed throughout 2020, so I'm really excited to take some of her tips into practice this year. Who knows, maybe now that the weather has cooled down in Florida, I might even try to start running a little more. So I have linked all of Katie's information in the show notes, including the apps she recommended for runners. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll leave us a rating and review. I would love to hear your thoughts and subscribe to keep up with new episodes if you haven't already. As always, if there's a topic or a guest you'd like to see, my inbox is always open. You can send me an email at valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net or DM me on Instagram at wellnessandwanderlustblog. Thank you for being a part of the Wellness and Wanderlust family, and I look forward to seeing you next week.